Alright, um... This will be the next tape for, I believe, Saturday, February 24, year 2013. Well, we'll be thinking of you. I no, appreciate that. Thank you so much for the okay. time. And, um, Ron, I enjoyed uh, meeting Dennis and look forward to the day that um, that he can, you know, talk more and listen to him more. And you guys have a great week, too. Thank you, Paul. Okay. All right. I'll be listening to you until I fall asleep. <laughs> okay. Be safe. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye, Good guys. night. 714-545-2071. Only 23 after 12 in the morning. A new day. A new day. I have, I have a, a chunk of pizza information. Sounds good. Which just blew me away. These are 2010 figures. I couldn't come up with anything more recent than that, although I tried. Mm -hmm. The highest grossing single unit independent pizzeria in the nation is in Anchorage, Alaska. Well, in a way that makes sense, especially when you can't see any sun sunlight, you're just hungry. Yeah, but I mean, the population mass, I don't know what it is in Anchorage, but of course, a single unit, they probably don't have a great deal of competition like you would with Domino's and Pizza Hut and everything else down here. I wonder what single is, unit. Yeah. This is, uh -huh. Go ahead. No, I'm, go ahead. I'm always. Oh, okay. This is single unit standalone private business, and its annual sales are six million dollars. This one place. Wow. So I went out and I found a little bit of information about it. It's called Moose's Tooth Pub and Pizzeria. It was conceived by two fellow rock climbers. Rod, Han Rod Hancock and Matt Jones. It was launched in the late 1990s. Hancock had a passion for cooking, and Jones had mastered the art of making beer in a bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> so they both passed up the corporate world, and they focused on pizza and beer, and it has been a smashing success. Can you imagine making beer in a bathtub? What a, what a talent. So, what was your, you were starting to ask a question, and we crashed into each other. I want to know, of all the pizza Are you eating uh -huh, again? I am. Oh, my gosh. What are you eating? Liquid. Oh, okay. You can do that. Yeah. All right. So, you were wondering? What pizza chain sells the most pizzas in America? What? At Domino's, uh, Pizza Hut, Little Caesars. Which one's number one in the country? Why don't you wonder with Google? <laughs> because I have my Patricia. She, you know, she did, she, right, she's my, one. she's my steady, she's my steady on Saturday nights. Okay. Yeah. Well, before I close this out, Dennis Day does not have an MP3 for download of this, but he did sing I'll Take You Home Again, Kathleen. Uh, and I'll bet he did a fabulous job. So I had to buy the whole album. So what were some of the Irish songs he sang? Well, some of the Irish songs on this particular album 
Um, when Irish Eyes Are Smiling, Kitty My Love, never heard of that, A Little Bit of Heaven, How Can You Buy Killarney? Oh, I never heard that one either. If It Weren't for the Irish, There's a Cottage by the Shannon, Molly Malone, I'll Take You Home Again, Kathleen, Clancy Lowered the Boom, Boom. <laughs> Come Back, Patty Riley, Dear Old Donegal, Last from County Mayo, Look to the Rainbow. This is all on one album. Yep. Sweet, I cannot pronounce this, Inascara, it looks like, McNamara's Band, The Rose of Charlie. That's a beautiful song, too. In the Valley Near, hmm, shame on me. I should know how to pronounce these things. Slavenaman. That doesn't sound right, but that's what <laughs> it looks like. Galway Bay. Uh, Tour Lura. Hold on, let me see what the rest of them are here. Mother McCree, Danny Boy, that tumble-down shack in Athlone, and it's a great day for the Irish. That's on one album. And not on MP3 download? Um, a lot of them are, but Kathleen is not. Oh. They're always individual songs, and... Um, you know, oh dear. So anyhow, well, I think this week, my dad's all excited because um, he's been on a genealogy kick. Your and father? My dad. Your dad? Yeah. My dad. Okay. And uh, one of my friends who does heavy duty genealogy research, and here's a tip for anybody. Um. Or if you ever are curious, he said most family or histories that you think or that you might become a might be a license or not, you know, mm-hmm. they are actually true mm-hmm. in her experience. And so we've always been told that one of our branches of the family is with the Lord Governor of Ireland. Mm-hmm. And my dad was able to track that down this week. Oh my goodness! That he was the director. And he was the Lord Governor, and they even gave him the property and in 1301. And it's the Dexter Castle. It's, I guess, in Rumble, but I guess then they had to free that branch in 1644 to come to America. You know, when they had the, an uprising in Ireland around that time. Mm-hmm. But uh, my dad hasn't gone around Googling up the Dexter Castle yet to see what... Kind of. Whether or not you own it, is there any deed that came along with it? I don't it? know, but... You I, might be a castle owner. I, I, so I told him that that might be a good purpose for us to go visit our home in yeah, Iowa, this you is, know. This is good. You just show up with suitcases and say, we're here. <laughs> <laughs> we're home. <laughs> that would be good, Walter. <laughs> we're home. We're home. So I don't know if it's in ruins or not, but... The Dexter Castle in 1301. Oh, that be fun. Yeah, so many of those castles were really built to withstand everything, including yeah. onslaughts. So, so if maybe, I were a betting person, yeah. I would bet that it's still there. So maybe we can have the family reunion island. Way to go. All right. Way to go. You know, I mean, you go knocking on the door and say, thank you so much for taking good care of us. And so we got back. <laughs> this is fine. We're back. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> and we brought a few friends oh, with us. Come on in, folks. <laughs> this is good. Very excellent. And uh, actually, that had happened. What has happened? That people just show up and lay claim to a castle? Well, give me a second here. My mom said I'm not doing good manners because I'm talking while I'm eating. But anyway. Let me talk to your mom, please. She said that's not good manners. Yeah, no, I want to talk to your mom. She's sound asleep. Well, we're going to be around until she wakes up, I think. Well, I will be, you know. But anyway. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think I've told you, I have visited family homes that are 500 years old mm -hmm. in England. And the, the, they're made out of stone. So, and the, the ancestors, we, we knew, we would go in and look at it, and they have taken all the wood woodwork and go back to the stone. And what she's done is paint the family tree. So you can see where you are in the, tr in the tree on the oh, stone. Oh, my light. goodness. Yeah. Oh, what fun is that? Oh, yeah. So, anyway. All right, so I'm supposed to, <coughs> excuse me. I'm supposed to find out who sells the most stuff, right? Mm-hmm. All right. No Kathleen here. That's mm. a shame. Maybe somebody will have done it. Okay, so let's see. On the MP3 downloads, hey, brother, pour the wine. Excuse me. Galway Bay. Mother thing. at your feet is kneeling. Mm. Sweet, sweet Pauline. Don't know that. Manzel. That, that sounds French. That, uh, yeah, that's French. That was a big hit in 1947. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And, okay. But not Dennis Day. I didn't know he had a version of it. Yeah. Art Long had the hit. Stella by Starlight. Okay. A that's... Trinket of Shiny Gold. Don't know that. Sinner Man. Ooh, Sinner Man was, uh, that was, um. you know, kind of a folk song. Oh, huh. don't know it. Sinnerman, yeah, that's a good song, but I, I can't imagine, it, it was sung by a group, I've heard it before, mm. all right, now I'll have to go find Sinnerman, look to the rainbow, cockles and muscles, look for the rainbow came from the Broadway show, Finian Rainbow, so that's where that came from, ah, okay, oh, yeah. I promise I'll never break your heart, Aww. how can you buy Killarney? If you haven't got a sweetheart, and we've got some Christmas stuff in here, Irish Legend Essentials, and it's away in a manger. Huh. And then we've got Granada. That is hardly Irish. No, that was a big Perry Como song in the 50s. Okay. Was it? The Stars 53. and Stripes, Stars and Stripes Forever, on an album called Irish Legend Essentials. This doesn't sound right. Did that have words? The Stars and Stripes Forever? Well, Dennis Day is there, so I guess so. I guess so. Ah. Mother dearest, mother dearest, come to the parlor. Good night, Irene. That's a big hit, yeah. Yeah. Indiana Moon. Don't Never know heard that. of it. Hello, young lovers. Yes. Yeah. My Nellie's Blue Eyes. I never heard that. I haven't either. There's a lot of Irish stuff here that I never heard of, which is pretty consistent because I didn't hear of a lot of stuff. Say it isn't so. That's a big song. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
another Christmas one, We Three Kings of Orient. Mother Dearest is not Christmas Dreaming. Um, beside the Bay of Napoli. It can't be Napoli. Napol. N-A-P-O-L-L. St. Cecilia. Tula Rosa. Huh. Now, I've heard that, but I, I wouldn't be able to identify it. When I Grow Too Old to Dream, Serenade, Clancy Lowered the Boom, 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 and A Shawl of Galway Gray, and There Is More. Uh, let's see, a lot of these are going to be duplicates. Let's see what else we've got. When Irish Eyes Are Smiling. Big hit. Danny Boy. Great hit. His Eyes on the Sparrow. Mm-hmm. California Moon, Mr. and Mississippi. When Irish Eyes Are Smiling, we did that. My Wild Irish Rose. That's a good one. Ron has to play that one. Mm-hmm. My Wild Irish Rose. Yeah, When Irish Eyes Are Smiling. We got that one already. Mother, Irish Rose, Irish Eyes. St. Patrick's Day Parade. I don't, hmm. I, I didn't know that there was a song of St. Patrick's Day Parade. But it's there in a whole bunch of different versions. Um, Clancy, Christmas in Killarney. Oh, that one's good. Yeah, I Bing like Crosby it. has a version of that. Uh-huh. Christmas in Killarney with all of the folks at home. Right. Mona Lisa, Good Billy, Good the Gilly, the Golly, Bagara. Hmm. Never heard of that one. Tura Lura. That one's available for download. Galway Bay, Manzel, we did that one. Mother McCree, da 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 Okay, Nibai, these are all duplicates. Good night, Irene. Uh, back to Donegal. Mm, when Hearts Are Young. Are you familiar with that song? Nope. I recognize the title, but I wouldn't know oh. the song if it smacked me in the nose. Siren of the Sea. Whoa. Whoa. I mean, gee whiz. Double Take My Heart, Wonder Boy from Peru. How do you get an Irish essential out of that one? Where Um, or when? Where or when? That's That's a big one. Riker and Hearts, yeah. That's a big one. I'll step aside. All My Love, Remember When You Sing, Oh Promise Me. And some Christmas stuff. So that's quite a collection, nice. but Kathleen is not in there. I do wish. Oh, my goodness, do I wish. Maybe I could can, find it can, somewhere can, else. Um, can you search by titles? Yes. Why don't, well, it would be interesting. Why don't you put in how many people have recorded Kathleen? I'm just curious. Is there any other big-name performers? Was it ever done by any big-name performers? I don't know of any. Well, allow me to request that we put these in order. Do you want to know pizza or Kathleen? <laughs> <laughs> well, because you're an iTunes, let's do Kathleen first. Oh, I'm not an iTunes. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm up on the Internet. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's see. I'll take you home again, Kathleen. Yeah. I would get curious. Is there any, would that ever recorded by any well-known artist that we know of? Well, who was the one on Fibber McGee? whose rendition I just love I'm going to so go get that for us, so you hold for one second. Sure. Okay, we've got... Um, 
Kronenkainen. Looks like three tenors singing together there. Um, Elvis Presley sang it. Can you believe that? Irish song. Um, Daniel O'Donnell. Don't know. Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash and Elvis Presley sang I'll Take You Home Again, Kathleen. Amazing. Let's see what else. Kevin Riley. We're getting warmer. Hold on. I'm back. I didn't hear any of what you said, Patricia. Oh, that's okay. Um, It's a whole list of people who had and groups who have sung I'll Take You Home Again, Kathleen, but among them uh-huh. is Elvis Presley and Johnny Cash. No kidding. Can you imagine? No. Well, Let's I'll see Take what we You are. Home Again, Kathleen, uh, Elvis Presley is on. Okay, good. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to rewind. You're going to do that? Yep. Just really? For, for my Patricia. Oh, thank you. Let's see. Here we go. Uh-oh. Somebody must have left the script open. <laughs> now, I told Mrs. Perkins Boomer to get some Johnson self-polishing blow coat for her linoleum, and she'd never again have a lame back from hours of scrubbing and worrying about scuffed and dull linoleum. I'll say so. Why, with blow coat, all she has to do is pour a little on the linoleum, spread it around, and wait for it to dry. No rubbing, no buffing. It's as simple as that. Here, take your picture of the banana stalk. <laughs> Ah, I rather like that, young man. Admire your sincerity. Sightable fellow, though. Well, hurry up and x-ray that package, will you, Mr. Boomer? Ah, yes, the package. Interesting assignment. Though this work presents many a fascinating problem, for instance, I x-ray a man, and all the valuables in his pockets are immediately exposed to my view. Care to look at some of my trophies? Here's a pair of star sapphire cufflinks. Had to give a patient 50,000 volts to get those. Well, yeah, let's see if we fast forward that. See where we are. Oh, yep, you there, Patricia? I'm here. All right. Guess we're right there, almost. We're almost there. Well, well, imagine that. No current. Come on, dearie. Let's go home. I'd suggest you try another x-ray expert and more power to him. (laughs) Folks, Jimmy Shields sings a beautiful old Irish ballad. I'll take you home again, Kathleen. Take it to Home again, Kathleen, across the ocean wild and wide, where your heart has ever been, Whenever you speak, 
dim your loving eyes. I'll take you back again, Kathleen, to where your heart will feel no pain. And when the fields are fresh and Good taste, Patricia. Did I lose my Patricia? No, she's here. Okay. Sorry, I had the mute on and didn't realize it. That is one of the sweetest songs that was ever sung, and it was made for an Irish tenor, not for you know so many of the versions that we hear. They just don't do the song justice. It was made for an Irish tenor. I wonder what happened to Jimmy Shields. He might he was there for a very short time. I wonder if he did anything yeah. else. And he's oh, had such a beautiful voice. Let me see. see All right, you want Google. pizza, Jimmy Shields, or what was the other one? Catherine. Oh, that, what was the what was the next one? I think uh, any other version of uh, "Take Me Home," Cap, I'll take you home, Kathleen. But I think you figured that out. That Elvis and Johnny Cash are the two biggest names performer to do that song. Yeah, and that was only on page one. Wow. All right, let's see. Jimmy Shields, football player. Not quite. We want Jimmy Shields. The singer. singer. Yeah, tenor singer. <laughs> I guess the only way, way I go to Golden Look and see if there's any other credits. But... Canada? Hmm. Hold on. Let me see. Um, gee, not a whole lot about him at all. In fact, virtually nothing. The Canadian Encyclopedia. Let's see. Um, was born, nope, that's not, that's not the same one. Oh, must be his father, Jack Benny, Fibber McGee, and Molly. Um, sang with the orchestras of Morton Gould and Eddie Duchin. Oh. And on Jack Benny, Fred Allen, Fibber McGee, and Molly. And then in 1939, his own weekly NBC program, Energetic Melodies. Oh. Singing Sergeant Major on the Army Show. Uh, my goodness, you know, he just was all over the place. I guess he wasn't a permanent, he didn't have a permanent home. How long was he with Fibber? A few weeks. 
If you go, well, well yeah. a good way to check, go to Golden, David Golden site, Raiders yeah. Gold Index. Well, you know, something disappointing happened up at, up at that site the other day. I was looking for, oh gosh, who did um, Dan ask for? Begins with a K. Kirkwood. Kirkwood, yeah. I, look, I looked under Kirkwood. He had one show listed. I thought, well, this is impossible. So I went hopping around, and I got War of the Worlds, of course, and, and two others. But I went over to Fred Allen, and he's listed all over the place. Yeah, Kenny so, Doma. I think it's Kerry Doma. Yeah, yeah no, um, I'm sorry. Not Kirkwood. Kirk, he did ask for Kirkwood, yeah. but Kenny Delmar, yes. And he had him listed with one. Well, some member he's doing on his own stuff. Maybe he hasn't let, maybe he has database Fred Allen. Specifically, yeah. you're right. Yeah. What am I looking for? Look for That's Jimmy a... Shield. He, yeah. What, what did he have? Oh, 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 wait a minute, David. Right. Boy, oh boy. Are we lucky you have me. <laughs> I know I am. I am totally blessed. I am the There you go. Munching on, and you didn't even ask if I want some. Well, I know how you are about licorice. Oh, I like licorice. Oh, I get thought if I had chocolate here, I think you would just say, don't touch that. Let me have my spoon over there. Don't touch that chocolate. Mm -hmm. um, Put that one over here. Town Hall Tonight, take uh -huh. a note. Let me see. Fibber, he sang in 1939, on November 14th, 1939. Fibber, 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 Fibber. Ooh, lots of Fibber. And January 30th, 1940. It, it was, uh -huh. you know, show after show after show. It looked like every week here. Huh. But every it, week. And, um, and, and pardon? You know who took over? Yeah, but I don't remember. The King's Ooh. men, the King's men took them over. That's, oh yeah, oh gosh, you know they traded in this beautiful tenor for, <laughs> you know, four people trying to make noise. Oh, oh, deliver me, deliver me. Well, they must have worked. They've been on there for thirteen years. Well, in the beginning, actually, they, in in their earlier time with Fibber, they were really good, and then gradually. Whoever tried to sing tenor and wound up with this falsetto Charlie McCarthy voice, <laughs> I mean, really, and and he just dominated the whole group. It was, it, honest to goodness, it was like we were we had a singing puppet up there. And it wrecked, I, my ears hurt. I mean, they make my hair hurt. And they gave up this wonderful Irish tenor for that. Shame, 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 shame. But I wonder why he moved on, because it, it looked like, let's see, it was, um, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, twelve shows, so close to three months, and then suddenly he wasn't there. Well, it makes an interesting case. Fibber had an interesting group of music. I mean, he started out with uh, 
In Crucial Caruso, I can also start the 30, mid-30s of whatever that orchestra was. Then Ted Williams took over, and that's when we started hearing Perry Como on the Third McGee and Molly show. Mm-hmm. Then a long time in the 30s with Donald Novus, who was another tenor. Right. And then they went to Jimmy Shield. Maybe they knew that he was going to be a short timer. They, maybe they, they were working to get the Kingsmen all along. But the strange thing about the Kingsmen, in 1941, they had the Kingsmen, and then they also had the female singer, Martha Tilton. So they were dedicating two songs to show, one for the King and one for Martha for a while. That was yeah. an interesting, an interesting yeah. run. It's like they were trying to find a groove where they could just settle in and find the right formula. And then they wound up doing one billion male instrumental and one um, yeah. King's Men broadcast. Yep. Billy Mills was there for a long time. Show wise. Well, I'm probably in the minority here, and that's really okay. Well, no. But, well, I mean, it makes you wonder, but, you know, the, the, the King's Men did some great stuff. I mean, you know, they back. Oh, my gosh, they've got albums. Uh, after albums still and, being sold. And, and Jim Cox was saying, uh, re- remarkably, that group became was very close even after they quit um, performing. They were still very mm-hmm. close with each other. Not all groups were like that. Um, I will bet you a nickel to your licorice mm-hmm. that if I listened to their album music, they did gospel music or yep. it, you know, Christian music and, and gospel music, yep. I would not hear those god-awful sounds. You would. Well, I think a classic example. Mm-hmm. They were part of the number one selling song of all time. They were, say that again, please. The number one selling song of all time. Yeah. They're, they're part of it. The, the White Christmas? Yes, they're the background singers. Oh, man. See, they, they could do well. Yeah. They didn't have to make all that caterwauling sound. Yeah, I mean, it was like a dying cat, for heaven's sakes. <laughs> well, then, you find out amusing. You just talk, you, you just make me smile. You're laughing. Well, you make me smile, like, giggle. Like, you're you, you're you, laughing out, you're smiling out loud. <laughs> uh, you, 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 you're so cutesy, what can I say, when you get descriptive, you, you come with great adjectives and adverbs and you just make me smile the way you put stuff together to make me giggle. Okay. You do. It do sound like dying cats. <laughs> just one. Just one. You know, we've got the we've got the neighborhood dogs there and they're all in tune. Well we've got this one cat in the middle that keeps caterwauling. You know what we need to do? What? Please don't tell me I have to talk to relatives of the Kingsmen. Well they're probably around, but I think we should look up the Kingsmen on a web and see who was what, who was what voice. That way, I mean, we we know that we got this. Just so I know who to blame. That's yes. a great idea. So I so we know the Ken Darby, we know there's a uh, Buddy and Rad and somebody else. Who was mm-hmm. who? Kingsmen. Anyway, it was interesting. Our friend, we learned I talked to our friend Jim Cox, who will be. Uh huh. Jim came up with two. He came up with a new writing style, which cut down his uh, his work time. 
Really? Yep, and he also, what he's doing now to put together old-time radio, he is checking out other radio, other books outside of uh, radio. Mm-hmm. So in other words, his current book has over 200 biographies, 200 bib, uh, titles. And these are ah. non, he's finding more information to bring to his book outside of, you know, the, the, the traditional radio mm-hmm. things. But the way he's writing now, he's clustering. In other words, when he's working on, in the old days he would do a linear process, so he worked on chapter one, chapter two, chapter three in a row. Mm-hmm. Now when he's researching, if he finds an item that fits chapter one, he'll put it in. If he finds an item put in chapter three, chapter five, so mm-hmm. he's sprinkling it all in. Then he's, he's writing each chapters, three or four chapters all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And he said that's a new style for him to do it that way. And he, he just put out his last book out in six months. And he told the publisher it was going to take him, you know, close to a year. Well, I'm really glad it's working for yeah, him. For him, it is. So. Yeah. And that's the way I used to build my larger articles, you know, ones that uh-huh. were really big. Uh-huh. Um, but, gosh, there's no reason why it wouldn't work for a book and probably would work even better for a book. Because so you, you, you just drop these into individual fishbowls. Right. And say, this is fishbowl number three, and you've already pre-sorted all of your information. You're not struggling to find it. Right. You've just got this wonderful collection. Right. So uh, you, you shape into, yeah, that's great. Yeah. I'm so glad it's working for him. But, I mean, he had, it was time-intensive work that he did, not only for the research part, but as you say, knitting it all together from chapter one to chapter two to chapter three. And actually, he's writing a whole series of mini books and knitting them together. That's right. I love that. This is good. Yeah. All right. Let me see here. Jim Harrell. All right. So uh, according to this, they're still singing. Is that possible? I don't think so. There's a new, there's a oh, group. wait, you know, this is, no, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, there's this a new group. A different group. Yeah, there's a group that's using that, yes. that word, the Kingsman. Yes. yes. So and, I think uh, we want to put the Kingsman from Fibber. the Fermagee Maui show. And Fibber. Yeah. Just some keywords. Or, 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 or Disney. They they did a ton of Disney movies. Yeah, um, Fibber is when they were squealing, so let's see what happens. Mm. Very bad, very bad for my ears. Okay, Kingsman Quartet. Mm-hmm. Ken Darby, who was the arranger and bass, okay. so we can't blame it on on I him. Rad, Raddy or Rad Robinson was baritone. Okay. John Dodson was lead tenor. And Bud Lynn was top tenor. Now, I don't know what the difference is, but I would think, based on what I have heard, Bud Lynn is the one who made all of the noise. <laughs> either Bud or John. Bud had a brother, John? No, either. One's a lead tenor, and one is a top tenor. I have no idea which is which. Well, if you listen to them, you can hear in the three of them a bass, a baritone, and a tenor, mm-hmm. and then this squealing in the background. So 
I I would say that the lead tenor is the one who was with the other two. You know that they uh-huh. actually had a, a trio but with this with this extra. Voice. I I'm just wondering if there's an official t- term called a top tenor. I've, I've never heard of top tenor before. No, that's why I wanted you to go Google up that word. What's a top tenor? Well, we are just so busy tonight. Busy, busy, busy. Boop, boop, top boop, boop, boop. tenor. Top tenor. Sounds like top Top tenor definition. Uh, tenor. A tenor is tenor's vocal range. All right, let's see. Wiki is always good for stuff. I love Wiki, and Wiki loves wiki, wiki, me. And Wiki loves me. Yeah. Term tenor. All right. Let's see if I can find the word. Yep. Top. Come, come, come. I'm just overworking this poor thing. Top C's. Okay. Top C's. Top note. Top C. Top C. Nothing about a top tenor. Hmm. Well, let's see. Next. Male vocal range and voice top types. That ought to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Let's see here. Four main male voices in their respective pitches. Let's see, we've got counter tenor, tenor, baritone, and bass. Counter tenor may be unfamiliar to those of us from the classical realm, as men, well, they certainly weren't classical, were they? As many of us would probably have only heard the three main ones, the tenor, baritone, and bass. Countertenor is the highest of the adult male voice types. They don't talk about falsetto here. (laughs) In Mandarin pop scene, certain singers like Jeff Chang, I do not know, and lead singer of popular rock band Soda Green would probably qualify as countertenor voices. Uh, they would range from a G note below middle C to a high F note, one octave above C. I wonder what the, what what was that famous rock and roll singer? He, he went to gospel and he went to rock. Sam, oh, and he died in the early '60s. Sam something. Uh, Sam Cooke. I wonder if she would be classified as a top singer. Anyway, I'll just... Go ahead, Patricia. I'm just thinking out loud. Did I lose Patricia? I bet I did. Hold on, everybody. We're back. Oh. We're back. Are we back? Yeah. See what happens to me? I got punished. I got punished. So if that case, then I guess I was thinking of a sample of a p- famous singer who could be a top singer, and I'm thinking of Sam Cooke. Yeah. I think he would almost be uh, a counter singer or whatever. I don't know. You know, he was the one that came with the song, The Boardwalk. Yeah. Boardwalk. Did Sam Cooke do that? Yeah. 
Hmm. He was good. Sam Cooke had some good stuff that we don't hear anymore because, as you say, <laughs> they threw away all of the good stuff. I'm telling you, you know, they need me as a music critic out there. I know. I can, I, I can I, use really professional terms like, listen to that squeal. <laughs> this is, this, you know, they Cal need one. me. They need me. Right Kingsman Quartet Sibber. Um, let's see, quartet, fibber, top tenor. Hmm. I would, I, I would feel ashamed of myself if I attributed this noise to the wrong person. Well, I think it's either down to Buddy or Johnny, one or the other. Hmm. All about jazz. Oh, I bet Ron could help us with this. Mm -hmm. They are attributing this. Okay, Kingsman Quartet, all about jazz. And pretty soon the page will decide to load, and I'll be able to tell you. Hmm. Almost there. Almost there. I've got so many windows open, this poor little thing. Um, recording from 1934, and top 10, Bud Lynn, top tenor, that's all it says. Mm -hmm. Let me see if there's something else here. They did films, Darby, Kingsman, Thanks a Million, um, Off-Screen Voices, Molly Pop Guild, doesn't have anything in the way of critique or... Yeah, I wonder why they showed that blend. I mean, if you think about the groups of that time, that's the only one I really know that has such a distinctive uh, top tenor with, with, with a group like that. You are just so good. <laughs> I, I, um, distinctive is not the polite word I use, and you were so polite. You did good. You did good. I mean, really. So maybe Ron can help us with the term top tenor, and then I'll know which one to blame. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it was the lead tenor. I think you can hear a tenor in that group. Yeah. And in the earlier years, it really had a nice sound, and just gradually, I wonder if he had a hearing problem. Seriously. You know, people tend to get louder Everything gets louder for them. Their voices get louder. Their, the television gets louder. Just everything gets louder in their lives when hearing is impaired and they don't recognize it. I wonder if he had a hearing problem and that's what ignited him. What do you think? Well, my question would be, the other group must have liked him to be there. That's why they stuck with him. I mean, wouldn't you think Jim, if he didn't like it, would have said, I think we need to get rid of that? I think the three of them should have had a confab over coffee and then invited him in and said, we just had a meeting. <laughs> You're out. I'm, I don't know. That's a great point. If he were as disruptive in the studio as it sounded in the recording, 
but if somebody would somebody would have done something. But they probably such a long term relationship they were going to sink and swim together. Yeah. Now you suggested one night that it might be something that had to do with the recording. Now, if they had microphone placements that were screwy, you know, they were fine for a, a live audience, right. but they wound up screwy for recording, mm -hmm. and they put this guy too close to the microphone, and the other three kind of melted into the background. Right. That would explain some of it. It's, I mean, certainly would explain some of it. It would not in any way explain this falsetto attempt to be a tenor by simply squealing out high notes. Well, I mean, when you listen to this guy and compare him to Dennis Day, which oh, one sounds like a tenor? Dennis Day. Yeah. So, something that's ain't right. Why, that's why I've never seen the t category top tenor before. That's why yeah. I'm just amazed to see that. I don't, I, I mean, what I know about music, you could write on the eye of a gnat and have room left over. But he blended, but, you know, Bing Crosby White Christmas came out in the late 42, and he, they blended so beautifully for that. So, it must have been a style they, that people liked. That's why they went with it. Were they still the same singers at the time? Did any of them change out? No, the whole, it, it's been it was the same group from beginning to end. The, no, no changes. Hmm. Well, Bing certainly would have had a handle on it. Oh, yeah. If there was something out of balance in the background, he certainly would have. Also, I, th I think, too, I think in White Christmas, that for, I think they, if you had a king, and then I think they brought female singers to help blend in a whole chorus group. Mm-hmm. It has that feel about it. I, yeah. I, you know. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think when you're one of four, your sense of, I'm going to put this very poorly, but of I think I lost Patricia again. Oh dear. Hold on. Right, knocking down water bottles. Oh dear. Let them close up. Okay. You're good. Yeah, I started to hear an echo when you were talking there the last time. Normally you haven't heard that before. So when you disappeared and you told me that was a clue how you could tell. That was interesting. So are we back? Uh-huh, we're on to you. Well, I'm just not going to say anymore because I keep getting punished. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to say that when you're one of four, you have a, a greater sense of importance than you do if you're one of 24. Well, I'm just saying... And I'm still here. Nobody dumped me. I, this I, is great. Yeah. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> right. oh, no, 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 no. Because we are a couple, Wall and Patricia, yeah. on the Saturday Night Show. We're a pair. We are yeah. a pair. I think we just feel as much as part of this as the family does. So there's a lot of family people out there. Right. So, are we one of two, or are we one of... Oh, we're one of a million. A million, okay. Yeah, we're okay. also not singing in a falsetto voice. <laughs> <laughs> they were a foursome. They were a quartet. Yeah. yeah. And as a quartet, you're explaining that there were so many other people in the background besides 
that four, mm -hmm. uh, they had to play by a different set of rules. I think that probably would have would have put it more kindly and more appropriately. They had to play by a different set of rules that involved a whole lot more people than just the four of them. Yeah. So whoever. ears have the same reaction as mine. But I bet you the type of material that they showed the scene on the show mm -hmm. fit, that, fit that personality. I mean, if you think about it, they did not go in the same classic love songs or classic no. uh, pop tune. They were folk songs or, or harmony songs or some traditional songs, novelty songs. It was a quite a different bag of goodies they pulled out than as know. long as I'm on a roll I thought that was crummy too <laughs> I'm on a roll I mean somebody's going to hate me so much but you're right they they did they had a, a whole different bag of performances than what you would normally expect the one thing that I really liked that they did was because of the words of the song and not the way they sang it was the one that they did about the sound man. Right. And the, the, the people with the sound effects, the sound effects man. Right, and they wrote that, yeah. They did write that? Uh-huh. Well, I thought it was just such a, a wonderful and fun tribute to the people who really, they, I don't know, they weren't the skeleton Give, find me a word that the sound that the shows would not have been if it hadn't been for the sound effects people. Well, they were the backbone of the show. Or that's they, it. Yeah. There you go. That's the that's the word. And they never got recognition. They probably got a lot of credit in the studio, maybe, mm -hmm. but they didn't get a lot of recognition for all of the work that they did. And it really was the glue that held the stories together. Mm -hmm. They they were the stitching. So that song was kind of fun, the sound effects man, and paid good tribute to them. So I've got some stuff in addition to stuff. We have some auction information with posters and stuff like that there. Yep. And they took away some of my information that I had the last bid on. And now these are cells, the, these pictures that were drawn to make cartoons at Disney Studios. Mm -hmm. The different cells were the, the little frames and they would have right. infinitesimal right. changes and it would look like they were moving. One cell from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Mm -hmm. uh, the prices were all over the place. I don't know what made some of these more popular than others, except maybe somebody's in love with a particular oh, picture. Think, that, yeah, a particular pose or something that they like. Yeah, there was something in there, because some of them were going for $1,000 a pop, and there was one that was over 12000 before the auction ended. And these were just, you know, the nice color pictures <laughs> that were pulled out of the stack. So $12,000. We've got one from a cartoon. It's um, It was a black and white cartoon, but the, the advertising card that went in, it's, it's um, 27 by 41, so it's really big. It was one of those movie posters. 
about um, Mickey Mouse, and the, the title of it was The Mad Doctor, and I've got some information about it. In 2006, that poster went for $138,000. In 2009, it went for $107,000. So sometimes these things are not good investments. So we've got information about the mad doctor. It is listed in other areas. I didn't go according to what was listed at the auction site because sometimes the information that you get there is a little hyped. Um, and this is not this particular auction house. It's just across the board because they're trying to sell these things. So. From a different source, The Mad Doctor is a classic Mickey Mouse cartoon which was released in 1933 and is also the protagonist, of course. Mickey Mouse is the hero. The plot centers on a title character, the mad scientist, named Dr. XXX, uh, who captures Mickey's dog, Pluto. Mickey tries to rescue him before the doctor can perform his grotesque experiment, attaching Pluto's head to the body of a chicken. I mean, this is straight out of Frankenstein stuff here. Um, Mickey battles his way through booby traps and animated skeletons before eventually getting caught and strapped onto a table to get cut open by a buzz saw. So we go through this whole thing, and it turns out that Mickey was dreaming and Pluto is okay. However, the shorts, and that was my abbreviation, we get down here, the shorts horror overtones made it unusual for a Mickey Mouse cartoon. Some theaters refused to show it, believing it would be too scary for kids. Now, I wonder what gave them that idea. At one time, for this reason, it was banned in England. No place in England could run it. And this was a Disney cartoon. Really scary, scary stuff. So anyway, this picture... And, and, and tells you also, that's before the code. You know, the code came in 34. So that's interesting. Um, yeah, I wonder how the code would have treated this. I, it makes you wonder. Yeah. I mean, a cartoon. and you know, Poor Pluto's going to get his head chopped yeah. off and Mickey's sucking his stomach in because the buzzsaw is almost there to cut yeah. him in half. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So... According to this, it says this one sheet was one of three Mickey Mouse sheets that were missing from the original sale. This is from the auction. As of today, we know of only one other copy of this poster in existence, and the condition of this copy is reportedly far lesser in quality than the one that's for sale here. If you don't win this poster, you may never see it come on the market again. Seriously, could there be a better poster? Well, depends on what you think is a great poster, you know? I mean, here is Mickey strapped to the chair with the buzz saw, or nope, just a hand saw, and Dr. The Mad Doctor with a couple of knives. Oh, my goodness, this is just awful. So, Patricia, you wouldn't let me put that in our room, right? In our tree, in our tree house, that would not be a part of our decoration. It would, not, it would not be part of our soothing <laughs> decoration. Yes, yes, no. Our interior decorating has to be a little bit more soothing than Mickey trying to get away from a buzzsaw. So anyway, I thought it was kind of interesting. Not only that it went for 138,000 in 2006, but that it had also gone down by 31,000 dollars three years later. Yeah. So, I, I never somebody needed that. the money. Yeah, I never knew about that movie. 
I'm always I never did either. Yeah. yeah. But it was yeah. uh, apparently it was a, a cartoon. Wow. You know, it was just one of the plain old Mickey Mouse cartoons, except it sure wasn't a plain old Mickey Mouse. Who in heaven's name got this past Walt Disney? Hey, Walt, I got a great idea, you know. Yeah, we'll put Mickey in the House of Horrors yeah. and get chopped up. Good grief. We'll put that one away. What have we got over here? Pinocchio. We've got Pinocchio, a cell from Pinocchio, 1940. Mm-hmm. And Pinocchio was sold for, oh, it's a buy it now. It didn't go at auction, so it's up for sale for a mere $8,365. And it doesn't say how big this picture is, this cell. I wondered if they were standard, like 8.5 by 11. I, I always visualize looking at those drawings as a kid being like an 8.5 by 11. I never yeah. think, think of anything I, bigger than that. I'm trying to judge this, and this is so clever of them. They put it inside a frame. They actually matted it so that it's got a huge border and then the frame on the outside so that it looks enormous, and then they tell you how big this finished product is, 19 inches by 17 inches. Well, here's this little picture in the center of it. It doesn't say how big the picture is, but they said Pinocchio in the picture is four inches high. So I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, well, yeah, that would be about eight and a half inches. And then little Figaro, the kitty, is two inches, and I went two, 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 two. So I think it's eight and a half by 11. And that is available for sale. If you're really pressed and really love Pinocchio, you can buy one piece of paper with Pinocchio and Figaro on it for a mere $8,300. We don't live right, Walden. Mm -mm. Nope. Nope. What else do we have here? Um, uh, okay, that's it. That's it on the posters for today. We do not have to have posters. I do have some Paul Revere information that we will save for another time. But I have something that relates to your Stump Walden question. So if you would like your Stump Walden question before we go to anything else, then I can tell you this fun piece of information that I found. Well, or, yeah. or we could do a show. Let's do a show. I could use a stretch. Okay. And then we will come back and I've got some fun stuff. Alrighty. Okay. Do I introduce our show? I hope so. All right, let me see what we've got here. We've got Fibber, McGee, and Molly. Fibber buys a horse. This is from February 24th, 1942, and of course we are now February 24th, 2013. So we've got the same day, but a lot of years later. Last week, Walden played the blizzard for us, and that was from January 17th, 1942. So this was, you know, just a, a few weeks later, the one that we're playing tonight. Uh, this is less than three months after Pearl Harbor. Last week, Fibber had a car. This week, he's talking about a car with tires that are so thin that he went out and he bought a horse. He thought that this would be a great alternative to having tires replaced on a car and conservation. But it's really, it amazed me that here we are just three months, less than three months after the war, and Mayor Latrivia was referencing a rubber shortage. 
Now that was pretty fast. Uh-huh. Were we having a rubber shortage prior to the beginning of the war? Well, I think the problem was. Well, we did. That was in the Depression, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that, the, I think the problem was rubber came from a foreign country. So we our supply, and then probably mm-hmm. by then the available rubber we have is going to tractor. I mean, to going to jeeps, all yeah. military oh, stuff. Oh, sure. So, but I'm looking at the three months. Um, were we on uh, during the depression? Was there what would be referred to as a rubber I shortage? I don't think so. I so think this was so this was in in a matter of eight ten weeks after Pearl Harbor. They're already talking about conserving rubber and that there's a rubber shortage, I, which I, I think was astoundingly fast. I, I think, to be honest, I think what happened, they just, just started to throw all resources into the war effort and get called it a shortage. Makes you wonder. Yeah. You know, it just happened so fast. We're talking, for all intents and purposes, we're talking weeks here. And they've well, already got these things in position. Well, if you look at it, Patricia, within the, in, especially the Great Grocery Show, you always look, they've always talked about gas rationing and sure. all these different things in January, February, and March of 42 to pretty much put their game plan together. So even on Gildersleeve, within a matter of weeks after the war. Right. Wow. I, I Apparently, and clearly, I just never paid close enough attention to recognize how fast the timeline that you know the happenings on the timeline were going I just didn't know that but anyway here we are Fibber's got tires that are thin and Harlow Wilcox uh, Harlow Wilcox said Fibber bought the horse because his tires were getting thin and now Fibber has to convince Molly that having a horse is a good idea she doesn't know they already have a horse so good old Fibber, um, Lillian the horse. It's a, this, that's the horse's name. Lillian did not last very long as a character, but tonight she came on the scene in a very big way. So tonight we are listening to Fibber buys a horse, and indeed he did from February twenty fourth, nineteen forty two, and we will be back. That's a threat. We will be back. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with songs by the King's Men and music by Billy Mills. The show opens with Liza. of you have already heard about or seen or even signed the Consumer's Pledge being sponsored by the government's Consumer Division. For the benefit of those who haven't seen one, here is the three-point pledge women are asked to sign voluntarily. I will buy carefully. I will waste nothing. I will take good care of the things I have. Now, that makes sense, doesn't it? 
And it's good business as well as good patriotism. By all means, take good care of the things you have. Make them last longer. Save for the country. Save for yourself. Now, one easy way to make things last longer is by protecting them regularly with Johnson's Wax. Floors, furniture, and woodwork that are wax-protected are safeguarded against dirt and wear. They're easier to clean, and they become more beautiful with each application. Genuine Johnson's Wax is available in three forms, paste, liquid, and cream wax. Fibber McGee has bought a horse. Why did he buy a horse? Because his tires were getting thin. Where is the horse? The horse is in the garage. What does Molly think of Fibber's buying a horse? She doesn't know he's bought a horse. Why doesn't he tell her? Because he hasn't thought of a good way to break the news. Well, what happens now? Don't ask us. Ask Fibber McGee and Molly. Hey, Molly. Yes? Did you ever think what'll happen when our tires are all shot? Why, certainly. We'll walk. Incidentally, how are the tires? Awful. They look like... This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax Finishes for Home and Industry, inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. No program of better car maintenance is complete if it overlooks the paint job. You've got to take care of the outside as well as what's under the hood. And you can do it easily with Johnson's Car New, the labor-saving polish that both cleans and polishes in one application. Two jobs at once with a minimum of work. Car New, made by the makers of Johnson's Wax, gains in popularity every month. Your car looks like new when you use Car New, spelled C-A-R-N-U. This program came to you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. All right. February 24th, 1942. And it's uh, four minutes before two. Let's share a prayer. Lord, thank you for the opportunity of being here. Bless our listeners and supporters of the station. Help the needy, the homeless, the hungry, Lord, at this time. We ask in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right. Let's go get Patricia. And see what the lady has to say. And here she is. The town is the one that you cannot forget. Patricia. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to stop talking about the Kingsmen. I won't say forever, but for tonight. Because I've been ejected twice, (laughs) and I know, I know, and I finished my sentence about these horrible people. They're not really horrible people. It just was a terrible sound when he did his thing. Um, I hit hang up on on my phone, Uh and there was a pop of light from somewhere, and everything had gone down, my phone, 
my internet, <laughs> my television, <laughs> my thought, this is not a good sign. <laughs> this is not a good sign. Or maybe it was a good sign, and I'm paying attention to it. So after two ejections that um, Skype imposed on us, and <laughs> one, one explosion that shut down everything I owned, at least temporarily, I'm just going to behave myself for the rest of the night, which is finished. You know what? What? That's no fun. That's no fun. <laughs> it's no fun. Okay, but we do have some questions, and one of the questions is from my brother. And I said, oh, silly, he will know the answer to that. So... So the pressure. So I'm, and he said, "Oh, but you have to give it to him. You have to give it to him." So I said, "I will give it to him." And I added to the question. So. So the pressure's on. Yep. So if I don't deliver the goods, I'm. You're in, in trouble. I'm in trouble. Okay. <laughs> well, let me let me put it in better terms. You're in doo doo. There you go. Yeah, you will be in doo doo. But I know, I know, I know. Um, would you? At the end, it's a baseball question. Mm -hmm. Would you like baseball? Would you like it? I have a first lady quote for tonight instead of a presidential quote. So I have a Stump Walden, your brain teaser. Presidential, which is really a first lady quote. Your presidential question. Your baseball question. And I have just a little itty bitty bit of American history because I thought this was a pretty cool question. Well, so you've actually got six yeah. questions tonight. We're going for the the, the, the six trombi or whatever. The, yeah, the, the double trifecta, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I guess so. All Sounds right, good. Dear, what what tip the hat to the lady and do and have the first lady up the bat? The first lady quote. Okay. This is a quote. Now you know that the White House is supposed to be haunted. Well, you knew that, yeah, right? I, I I didn't know that really was a true story, but yeah, I've seen. Stuff well, like that. I mean, yeah. it's it, it's supposed to be haunted. You know, Lincoln is making the rounds, and oh gosh, I don't know. One of the first ladies is making the rounds. But anyway, there are four or five uh -huh. stories out there. Yeah, yeah. Who said? Now about these ghosts, I'm sure they're here. And I'm not half so alarmed at meeting up with any of them as I am having to meet and live with the nuts I have to see every day. <laughs> uh, I like my second answer first, but uh, my over go my gut hunch. It seemed too proper. Is <sighs> my my let's go with my second hunch. I mean, it sounds okay. it sounds like Rosalind Carter. No. It wasn't. And um, who was your first hunch? My first one was Lady Bird Johnson. Oh no, it wasn't Lady and Bird, and proper. it wasn't Rosalind. These are those are two very good tries, though. Now, somebody who could say that, I I could see Betty Ford. Yeah, she was pretty gutsy, but uh -huh. it wasn't her. It wasn't. It wasn't that. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm just, I'm, I'm not. I'm not so alarmed at meeting up with any of them as I am having to meet the live nuts I have to see every day oh, as opposed to the dead nuts. Okay. 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 Um, the essence of this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the I thought she was talking about her. Them. I thought she was talking about her hubby. 
Interesting. Oh, no, no, no. No, I'm not. Oh, I'm so sorry. No. I'm not so alarmed at meeting up with any of them, meaning the ghosts, as I am of having to meet the live nuts I have to see every day. Eleanor Roosevelt? No, it was Beth Truman. Beth, and somehow it seems to fit. Yep, I was thinking about that. It seems to fit. She and Harry were just so down home wisdom, and she just. Didn't well, have any qualms about well, saying. One, one of the great stories about Bet is him trying to stop Harry and Margaret to get in a watermelon seed con- throwing contest in the in the dining room. Oh, in the dining room? Yeah. Is that where they were? Uh huh. Really, really class and culture, you know. <laughs> but, you know, when you're president, you don't have to eat broccoli and you can spit watermelon chips. Yeah, yeah. And throw them at your. I get throw them at your your offspring. I guess I don't know. I think they were probably spitting them. Well, maybe not. Maybe they, you know, you can pinch watermelon yeah, tips. you can. If you pinch them, they kind of spurt out. And I would, I would guess that would probably be more presidential than spitting watermelon pits in the dining room. Well, you know, the great stories, you know, the uh, Congress was really worried about Bet because, you know, when Harry passed away, it tells you how audible the Truman was. They had nothing. They, they had, I know. They had she nothing. Had zero. And because they didn't, they they went, they went, they they did not go home wealthy. And uh, so the Congress was so worried about they they passed a pension just for her. They just mm-hmm. did not want the idea of the first lady being penniless. So they they made sure Works she was t- taken care of for the next nine years. Yeah. Or so. Yeah. That was a nice thing to do. Right. It was the right thing to do, but sometimes the right thing doesn't get done. I agree. So, that's nice. I'm glad they did that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you missed Beth Truman, who right. had to meet live nuts. She had to see every day. <laughs> Not the dead ones, yeah. the live ones. Okay, what do you want next? Stop. The Stump Walden question mm-hmm. is, this mystery show challenged listeners to, quote, match wits with the Manhunter. What show was it? I don't know if I've ever heard this one. Um... Barry Craig. No. What is it? It is a show called the Eno Crime Club. And it later became Eno Crime Clues. E N O. I'm I'm hoping I pronounced yeah, that correctly. I was thinking, N-O, I was thinking of the N O. I guess N O is the way you uh-huh. pronounce it. Eno I've heard of the Eno Club Eskimo, the famous music show of the twenties, but I didn't know they had a mystery club. Well, this is a mystery club, and it was on from 1931 to 1936. So that was, you know, a pretty decent run. Yeah, yeah. Now, I thought, what in heaven's name is, I'm going to say N-O, because it said E-N-O. E-N-O. It's pronounced E-N-O. 
It is eno. Uh-huh. Eno effervescent salt. Now, do you know what eno effervescent salt is? I don't know, but see, the, the famous show Eno Club Eskimo, I thought it was like a uh, ice cream product. Cause they used to start off that show, and we have a recording with the with an Eskimo dog wolfing, and they, you can hear them start off trying with this sound. So I always thought it was frozen food or some crazy thing. I don't know. Well, that's interesting. Maybe it was a, a different... And you said it was Eskimo? Yeah, that's the way... Eno, Eno, es, Eno Eskimo Club. Uh-huh. Eskimo Club. The Eno Eskimo Club. Let's see what we've got here. <clears throat> Radio. Eno Crime Club. Let's see, just Eskimo Club, because maybe it's spelled differently for them. Maybe I'm thinking of something a different way, but I thought it was Eskimo. Oh, okay, it was Clico. Clico, okay, all right. Clico so, Club Eskimos. Okay, okay so okay. I'm uh, I'm going to go back to the N-O, because yeah, it's yeah. E-N-O, and it just sounds like it makes sense with the product that they were selling. N-O. N-O. Well, anyway, I went out and I found information about N-O effervescent salts. All right. Which I think is just an absolute hoot. Apparently, GlaxoSmithKline, which is a very large pharmaceutical company, is still making this. Fast-acting effervescent fruit salts used as an antacid and reliever of bloatedness. This is a British site. <laughs> was invented in the 1850s by John by James Crosley Eno. He died in 1915. Um, has sales of nearly 30 million pounds, which translates to my little calculator said 45 million uh, plus dollars in, in sales each year. Frequently used as a substitute for baking powder. Now, I don't know that must baking powder, baking soda. Baking soda is what people sometimes swallow right. for indigestion, but right. baking powder is what you use in cooking. Mm. So, off I went and I found an ad for Eno. And it is taken for, this is an old ad from 1945. For the discomfort of sick headache, acid indigestion, and constipation due to ordinary sluggishness. I don't know what ordinary sluggishness is, but I guess they're talking about intestines. Now, can you imagine headache, indigestion, and constipation all in one little swallow? This That's, is very good stuff. Yeah. Does everything. Okay, so it says, be bright, feel right, take Eno. Chase away that jittery, headachey feeling often following too much eating and drinking. Simply take sparkling Eno at bedtime. Eno quickly helps neutralize excess stomach acid and eases upsets. So I guess when it's their version, wake, of, their version of Alka-Seltzer. Okay. I guess, I guess, except there's another action here. When you wake, take Eno as a speedy, gentle laxative. Caution, use only as directed. Mm. Um, 
a laxative, let's see, it relieves temporary sluggishness when needed, take before breakfast, but the advertising, the current advertising says it gets to work in six seconds. Now, I tell you what, if I'm going to take a laxative, I'm sure not going to take it on a workday breakfast, you know? Right. And if it works in six seconds, how come it didn't work before I went to bed? <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. But here is this can. Oh, I guess it's a package. It's a package. You know, it, it looks like it's got a fold-down piece of paper like you would with a stick of butter or yeah, something. Yeah. And uh, there you go. You put it in water, and it effervesces. And this is from a Saturday Evening Post ad in October 6, 1945. So I was kind of happy that I found this for discomfort of a sick headache and constipation, as well as indigestion, all in one slug. That's a nice cure-all remedy. Yes, it is. Yeah. I, I, can, I guess the only thing it doesn't cure is chicken pox. I don't know. Or but anyway, or that's my... Or athlete foot. What? Or athlete foot. That the other thing. Oh, probably... athlete's foot. Yeah. Yes, it didn't say anything about athlete's no, foot. I suppose you could. Yeah. Suppose you could bubble it away. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so now we've got, we've got all these great, great questions. You've got American history, baseball, your presidential question, and your brain teaser. My brain teaser, next please. Your brain teaser. There is an ancient invention that is still used in some parts of the world today. And it allows people, remarkably, to see through walls. What is the invention? A hole. You're pretty close. It's a window. Uh, Isn't that good? Well, I think a hole in the wall is very good. Uh, I'm going good. to give you... I'm going to give you credit for that one. Or a partial, maybe? No, I'll give you the whole thing. Oh, window man. with a hole in the wall. That's true. Yeah. 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 Very it good. good. Very and good. fast. And you were very fast. Ah. Okay, what would you like now? My history question. Your, your American history question. It's a who was question. Who was Claudia Johnson in American history? This is Walden thinking it's not dead air. We're still here. 714-545-2071. And gonna, you can help him with yeah, this. I'm going to take my second guess here. She was Andrew Johnson, Johnson's wife. No. Was she the first female to run for president of the United States? Oh, no, she wasn't. And I don't even remember what that poor lady's name was. Yeah. No. Uh... She's not one of Lyndon's daughters. No. I don't know. Lady Bird. 
Oh. Lady Bird Johnson's name was Claudia. I came across this. I'm looking at, at my list of first ladies, uh-huh. and here is Claudia Johnson. So who the heck is Claudia wow. Johnson? It was Lady Bird Johnson. That was her real first name. Oh, Claudia. Gosh. She didn't look like a Claudia. I don't know what she looked like. Well, I, I, wonder, I guess she just got... I wonder how come she got home with that title, Ladybird, and it just stuck with her. That's all you ever known her by. I know, and I'm I'm stretching my brain here. It's something that her, I think it was her father, called her Ladybird. Mm-hmm. And it's something she grew up with and just stayed with it. It wasn't something that Johnson wow. came up with. Wow. He wasn't smart enough to do that. Sure. So, okay, Claudia Johnson. Oh, so now wow. we know. Oh, wow. Lady Bird's first name was Claudia. Wow. Okay, so now we are down to your presidential question and your baseball oh, question. Oh, let's go with the prize. The president. Which president was the first to use campaign buttons? Mm, that's a that's great kind of an unfair that's question, but it was just, a, you know, it, it, it's just kind of a, yeah. a cute tidbit. Yeah. I want to say Grover Cleveland. It was William McKinley. So we oh, were, we were really cool. I was back depre- there. I was, I was the president before him. So that's yep. pretty good. You were, you were very close. 1897 yeah. campaign. Wow. It was the first time a president used campaign wow. buttons. Wow. I never thought about those things. I seem to Did you ever I, think about campaign buttons? Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the, the buttons themselves and their sayings and how they arrange them, but I never thought about how far back they went. No, well, I've seen disp- I've been around displays and things, mm-hmm. but I never, you know, the cat phrase that they have and things like that. But mm-hmm. I never, I never I like Ike it. And, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I. In 1897, I would wonder how they attached campaign buttons and to what. Well, I wonder what the safety. I wonder if they were they were honest to goodness buttons that the guys put in maybe their lapel. Mm-hmm. One with um, the safe, One with the safety pin. But I think we looked that up. The safety pin. The safety pin has been around for a long time, but campaign buttons didn't. They, they didn't use safety pins. Oh, now I have to go look up campaign buttons. And I mean, even the word button suggests that it was part and parcel to a buttonhole somewhere. Yeah, I mean, either it had to be a straight pin, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, or those types of pin, or, else this, or a clip, or a screw. Which one of those three, I would think, that would fasten it to yeah. you. And we're also talking more than 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay, so now I have to go find how the buttons were actually buttoned when they buttoned button, in button. Who got the button? Yeah. Button, 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 button who got, who got the button? button. Yeah. Okay, so that means we're down to baseball. All right. I will give you my brother's question first. Okay. This is, this is the high-pressure one. Yep. Well, I'll I'll ask the the first question, and I know you know this one. Who holds the hitting streak record in Major League Baseball? 
Are we going with the major leagues, right? Be uh. Uh-huh. Okay, that's Joe DiMaggio. Right. And Joe DiMaggio, after 56 consecutive games, mm-hmm. and that was that was the record. Yep. His streak broke in game 57. In Cleveland. Yep. But in in the next game, he picked up another streak. Right. How many games did that streak? I think that last? one went 13 games. Ooh, close. 17? Close. It was 16. 16. Well, now, all right, time out. I went to, I went all over the place yeah. looking for how many games, and I found a profile of him that had all of the other facts correct. So when it said 16 games, I'm going to believe it. I would actually believe you before I believe Well, else. I think, if I remember the story right, too, I think he had a longer streak in the minor leagues. He did. It was 66 games. Yeah, 69 or something. I knew it was in somewhere a lot longer. Uh-huh. And that's when yep, he was it, playing for the San Francisco Seals. So, uh-huh. So It was. Yeah. He, had a, he had a longer one. Um, so I, the information I got said mm-hmm. 16. I'm going to tell my brother you got the answer. Oh. I will. I mean, you knew right away what I was going after. Yep. And he, he said, no, no, nobody will know this. Nobody will know this. I'll bet nobody knows. And well, of course, he knows it. He's smart. Well, here's a good question. You know, uh, that was done in 1941. Mm-hmm. It was the same year that I think, uh, yeah, the same year that Ted Williams batted over 400. Right. That is correct. Ted Williams was the last one to, you know, the batter of 400. But he didn't. But he didn't get the most valuable he, player. It went back. To, it went to Joe. It went to Joe DiMaggio. Yeah. yeah. I did my homework. Oh, you so I did my homework. I, I believe. Um, I believe Ted Williams had uh, 406. You're Does right. that sound right? Yeah, and they, they manager wanted him to take the last day off because it was a double hitter. You know, maybe just got up to bat one. He was like bat mm-hmm. 401. He said, "Forget that." So he went up. and hit six, six out of eight and raised his batting average up to 406. He played both games with a double hitter. The, Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. I mean, he had nothing. Well, I guess he did have something to lose. He did, he did have something it, to he lose. Was, he was right on the cusp there with right. the 401. So a bad performance would have done it. Could have, could have knocked him out of the 400s. Yeah. That's confidence. That, I mean, really, that's it confidence. Really is. That's not but that's not arrogance. That's honest to goodness confidence in your skills. You bet. So he did. He did good. What kind of repercussions, or were there any repercussions that a batter who had a 3.75 average got the MVP over a batter who finished up with more than no with a, with nothing. A, nothing true. What were some of the worst? Thing, and I think it happened to Ted Williams twice. That there was a sports writer in Boston. You know, the, the awards are voted by the sports writers. Right. And this one of the sports writers in Boston just hated his guts so bad oh. that he did not put Ted Williams on the ballot. Even the years he won the Triple Crown, and it cost him the MVP. Why did he hate it so much? Well, well Ted Williams was known not to be the easiest guy 
could be no, around. No, he was not the warm, fuzzy kind. No. Uh, and Joe DiMaggio, of course, was. He was a very people person. So, uh, so, you know, so is Ted was probably not in a good mood, didn't want to talk to the press or whatever uh, that day. And uh, so he lost some most valuable player votes. I think it was done twice because wow. one of the writers just refused to vote for him. You know, that's really sad. A guy's personality and his performance are two different things. It's really great when you get a good personality and a great performance in the same package. But, you know, most valuable player should not have anything to do with being grouchy to a sports writer. Right. It just shouldn't. And we both know that it does. I mean, that kind of stuff is not an isolated inc- it's, incident. It's, but it's amazing it's how much power the sports writers in baseball had, considering they voted on the MVP and they voted uh-huh. on the and they vote on the Hall of Fame. And if they don't like a guy, they have carried over effects over the years. So, now carrying a grudge like that to the point where somebody is denied and a recognition that he's earned. Yeah. It's very wrong. It's just very, very wrong. Very petty. Yeah. Gosh, I would have thought, well, of course, if they all did it, um, I, I would have thought or hoped that someone in the group would have said, you know, well, lighten up here. Let, mm-hmm. Let's take another look at this. Mm-hmm. But if they all did it, of course they wouldn't say that. No. Maybe just one guy. That that did on the, on, yeah. the, on on that for him, but uh, were were the rest of them potential to do it in other circumstances? I don't think so. So this really was a standalone. Uh huh. That's what you. Oh man. That's I, what you hear about oh. historically. Yeah. Yeah. Would I hit him upside the head? Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> How sad. Um. You know, I'm glad Joe got it, but. It's really, really sad that a performance, this is a performance award, right. not a personality contest, and he didn't get it. That's It's just not right. I have, well, listen, I'm not going to say anything. I've already gotten my comeuppance for the King <laughs> But, you know, the strange thing, for me. But the strange thing about, you know, the horrible thing about Ted Williams, you know, he threw away over five years of his career because he served in both the World War II and in the Korean War. That's right. So he, That's right. he was very gladly willing to serve the country and give up all those years of playing ball. And still he had remarkable still, numbers. Still had a remarkable career. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, I've got, I've got some stuff. I've got some stuff. Ooh. Ooh, I've got some stuff. 1942, 1942. Let me find 1942. Now, see, I went and found this stuff, so we're just going to have to sit and listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we did the 1942 ads. This is good. I finally found some information about what dollars then would convert to dollars today. And it helps make things make sense. Well, here's an example. Can you do the, the reverse? Yes, I did both. Okay, because 
1942, Artie Shaw figured he was averaging out in today's dollar $600,000 a week. A week? A week. Are you... $600,000 yeah, a week? Yeah. And that was in the what war. year? The 42, the war. Right, well, that was 42, and, and when he said in today's dollars, what About year? Around, oh, I've heard him say around 1990. Around 1990. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm sitting here saying, whoa, a week. We've got, what's his face? Um, Sheehan. Which, which which of the Sheehan boys? Um, Martin Sheehan's son. Yeah. Who, who, what's his first name? I don't know. The one who was really... Thank you so much for the okay. time, and um, Ron, I enjoyed uh, meeting Dennis, and look forward to the day that um, that he can, you know, talk more and listen to him more. And you guys have a great week too. You too. Thank Paul. you, Paul. Okay. All right. I'll be listening to you until I fall asleep. <laughs> okay. Be safe. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye bye. Good night. Guys. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Only twenty three after twelve in the morning. A new day. A new I day. I have I have a, a chunk of pizza information. Sounds good. Which just blew me away. These are two thousand ten figures. I couldn't come up with anything more recent than that. Although I tried. Mm -hmm. The highest grossing single unit independent pizzeria in the nation is in Anchorage, Alaska. Well, in a way, that makes sense. Especially when you can't see any sun sunlight, you're just hungry. Yeah, but I mean, the population mass, I don't know what it is in Anchorage, but of course, a single unit, they probably don't have a great deal of competition like you would with mm -hmm. Domino's and Pizza Hut and everything else down here. I wonder so what single is, unit. Yeah. This is, uh -huh. Go ahead. No, um, go ahead. I'm always. Oh, okay. This is single unit standalone private business, and its annual sales are six million dollars. This one place. Wow. So I went out and I found a little bit of information about it. It's called Moose's Tooth Pub and Pizzeria. It was conceived by two fellow rock climbers. Rod, Han Rod Hancock and Matt Jones. It was launched in the late 1990s. Hancock had a passion for cooking, and Jones had mastered the art of making beer in a bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> so they both passed up the corporate world, and they focused on pizza and beer, and it has been a smashing success. Can you imagine making beer in a bathtub? What a, what a talent. So, what was your, you were starting to ask a question, and we crashed into each other. I want to know, of all the pizza. Are you eating uh -huh. again? I am. Oh, my gosh. What are you eating? Liquid. Oh, okay. You can do that. Yeah. All right. So, you were wondering. What pizza chain sells the most pizzas in America? What? Like Domino's, uh, Pizza Hut, 
Little Caesars, which one's number one in the country? Why don't you wonder with Google? <laughs> because I have my Patricia. She, you know, she do. <sighs> She's my steady on Saturday nights. Okay. Yeah. Well, before I close this out, Dennis Day does not have an MP3 for download of this, but he did sing I'll Take You Home Again, Kathleen. Uh, and I'll bet he did a fabulous job. So on what that. Was, had, to the, had to buy the whole album. So what were some of the Irish songs he sang? Well, some of the Irish songs on this particular album um when irish eyes are smiling kitty my love never heard of that a little bit of heaven how can you buy killarney oh i never heard that one either if it weren't for the irish there's a cottage by the shannon molly malone i'll take you home again kathleen clancy lowered the boom <laughs> come back patty riley Dear old Donegal, last from County Mayo, Look to the Rainbow. This is all on one album. Yep. Sweet, I cannot pronounce this, In Ascara, it looks like. McNamara's Band, The Rose of Charlie. That's a beautiful song, too. In the Valley Near, hmm, shame on me. I should know how to pronounce these things. Slavenaman. That doesn't sound right, but that's what... <laughs> It looks like Galway Bay, uh, Turalura. Hold on, let me see what the rest of them are here. Mother McCree, Danny Boy, that tumble down shack in Athlone, and it's a great day for the Irish. That's on one album. And it's not on MP3 download. Um, a lot of them are, but Kathleen is not. Oh. They're always individual songs, and, um, you know, oh, dear. So, anyhow. Well, I think this that's... week, my dad's all excited because um, he's been on a genealogy kick. Your and father? My dad. Your dad, yeah. My dad. Okay. And uh, one of my friends who does heavy-duty genealogy research. And here's a tip for anybody, um, for if you ever are curious. He said most family oral histories that you think, or that you might become a, might be a license or not, you know, mm -hmm. they are actually true mm -hmm. in her experience. And so we've always been told that one of our branches of the family is with the Lord Governor Island. Mm -hmm. And my dad was able to track that down this week. Oh my goodness! That he was the director, and he was the Lord Governor, and they even gave him the property, and in 1301, and it's the Dexter Castle. It's I guess in Rumble, but I guess then they had to flee that branch in 1644 to come to America. You know when they had the an uprising in Ireland around that time. Mm -hmm. But uh, my dad hasn't gone around Googling up the Dexter Castle yet to see what kind of... Whether or not you own it, is there any deed that came along with it? I don't it? know, but... You I, might be a castle owner. I, I, so I told him that, that might be a good purpose for us to go visit our home. 
in yeah, Iowa, this you is, know. This is good. You just show up with suitcases and say, we're here. <laughs> we're home. <laughs> that would be good, Walter. We're home. We're home. So I don't know if it's in ruins or not, but the Decto Castle in 1301. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah, so many of those castles were really built to withstand everything, including yep. onslaughts. So, so if maybe, I were a betting person, yeah. I would bet that it's still there. So maybe we can have the family reunion island. Way to go. All right. Way to go. You know, I mean, you go knocking on the door and say, thank you so much for taking good care of us <laughs> until we got back. This is fine. We're back. <laughs> and we brought a few friends uh-huh. with us. Come on uh-huh. in, folks. <laughs> this is good. Very excellent. And actually, that has happened. What has happened? That people just show up and lay claim to a castle? Well, give me a second here. My mom said I'm not doing good manners because I'm talking while I'm eating. But anyway. Let me talk to your mom, please. She said that's not good manners. Yeah, no, I want to talk to your mom. She's sound asleep. Well, we're going to be around until she wakes up, I think. Well, I will be, you know. But anyway. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think I've told you, I have visited family homes that are 500 years old mm-hmm. in England. And they're, they're, they're made out of stone. So, and the, the ancestors, we, we knew, we would go in and look at it. And they have taken all the wood woodwork and go back. To the stone, and what she done, it paint the family tree, so you can see where you are in the tree in the tree on the oh, stone. Oh my light. goodness! Yeah. Oh, what fun is that? Oh yeah. So. Anyway. All right. So I'm supposed to. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> I'm supposed to find out who sells the most stuff, right? Mm-hmm. All right. No Kathleen here. That's a mm. shame. Maybe somebody will have done it. Okay, so let's see. On the MP3 downloads, hey, brother, pour the wine. Don't know Excuse that. me. Galway Bay. That's a famous Mother one. at your feet is kneeling. Hmm. Sweet, sweet Pauline. Don't know that. Mamzelle. That that's, sounds French. That, uh, yeah, that's first. That was a big hit in 1947. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And, okay. But not day. I didn't know he had a version of it. Yeah. Art Long had the hit. Stella by Starlight. Okay. A no. Trinket of Shiny Gold. Don't know that. Sinner Man. Ooh, Sinner Man was, uh, that was, um, you know, kind of a folk song. Oh, huh. don't know it. Sinner Man. Yeah. That's a good song, mm. but I, I can't imagine. It, it was sung by a group. I've heard it before. Mm. All right, now I'll have to go <laughs> Sinner Man. Look to the rainbow, cockles and muscles. Look for the rainbow came from the Broadway show Finian Rainbow. So that's where that came from. Ah, okay. Oh, yeah. I promise I'll never break your heart. Aww. How can you buy Killarney if you haven't got a sweetheart? And we've got some Christmas stuff in here. Irish Legend Essentials, and it's away in a manger. Oh. And then we've got Granada. That is hardly Irish. No, that was a big Perry Como song in the fifties. Okay. Was it? The Stars 53. and Stripes, Stars and Stripes Forever. 
on an album called Irish Legend Essentials. This doesn't sound right. Did that have words? The Stars and Stripes Forever? Well, Dennis Day is there, so I guess so. I guess so. I don't know. Mother Dearest, Mother Dearest, Come to the Parlor, Good Night, Irene. That's a big hit, yeah. Yeah. Indiana Moon. Don't know heard of it. Hello, Young Lovers. Yes. My Nellie's Blue Eyes. I never heard that. I haven't either. a lot of Irish stuff here that I never heard of, which is pretty consistent because I didn't hear of a lot of stuff. Say It Isn't So. That's a big song. Yeah. Uh-huh. Another Christmas one, We Three Kings of Orient. Mother Dearest is not Christmas Dreaming. Um, beside the Bay of Napoli. It can't be Napoli. Napole. N-A-P-O-L-L. St. Cecilia. Tula Rosa. Huh. Now, I've heard that, but I, I wouldn't be able to identify it. When I Grow Too Old to Dream... Serenade, Clancy lowered the boom, boom, and a shawl of Galway gray, and there is more. Uh, let's see, a lot of these are going to be duplicates. Let's see what else we got. When Irish eyes are smiling, big hit. Danny boy, great hit. His eyes on the sparrow, mm-hmm. California moon, Mister and Mississippi. When Irish Eyes Are Smiling, we did that. My Wild Irish Rose. That's a good one. Ron has to play that one. Mm -hmm. My Wild Irish Rose. Yeah. When Irish Eyes Are Smiling. We got that one already. Mother, Irish Rose, Irish Eyes. St. Patrick's Day Parade. I don't... Hmm. I I didn't know that there was a song, (laughs) St. Patrick's Day Parade. But it's there in a whole bunch of different versions. Um, Clancy, Christmas in Killarney. Oh, that one's good. Yeah, I mean, like Crosby has a version of that. Uh-huh. Christmas in Killarney with all of the folks at home. Right. Mona Lisa, Good Billy, Good Begilly, Begali, Begora. Hmm. Never heard of that one. Tura Lura, that one's available for download. Galway Bay, Manzel, we did that one. Mother McCree, da 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 da. da. Da-dum, da-dum. Okay, Nibah, these are all duplicates. Good night, Irene. Uh, back to Donegal. Mm, when hearts are young. Are you familiar with that song? Nope. I recognize the title, but I wouldn't know oh. the song if it smacked me in the nose. Siren of the Sea. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. I mean, gee whiz. Double Take My Heart, Wonder Boy from Peru. Now, how do you get an Irish essential out of that one? Where uh, or when? Where or when? That's right. That's a heart. big one. Right on hearts, yeah. That's a big one. I'll step aside. All My Love, Remember When You Sing, Oh Promise Me, and some Christmas stuff. So that's quite a collection, nice. but Kathleen is not in there. I do wish. Oh my goodness, do I wish. Maybe I could can, find it can, somewhere can, else. Um, can you search by titles? Yes. Why don't well, it be interesting? Why don't you put in how many people have recorded Kathleen? I'm just curious. There any other big name perform? Any big? Was it ever done any by any big name performers? I don't know of any. 
Well, allow me to request that we put these in order. Do you want to know pizza or Kathleen? <laughs> <laughs> well, because you're an iTunes, let's do Kathleen first. Oh, I'm not an iTunes. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm up on the internet. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's see. I'll take you home again, Kathleen. Yeah, I'm just curious. Is there any, was that ever recorded by any well-known artist that we know of? Well, who was the one on Fibber McGee? whose rendition I just love so much. I'm going to get that for us, so you hold for one second. Sure. Okay, we've got... Um, Ronan Tynan. Looks like three tenors singing together there. Um, Elvis Presley sang it. Can you believe that? Irish song, um, Daniel O'Donnell, don't know, Johnny Cash, Johnny Cash and Elvis Presley sang I'll Take You Home Again, Kathleen. Amazing. Let's see okay. what else. We're back. Kevin Riley, we're getting warmer. Hold on, <laughs> I'm back. I didn't hear any of what you said, Patricia. So I oh, that's okay. Um, of It's a whole list of people who had and groups who have sung I'll Take You Home Again, Kathleen, but among them uh-huh. is Elvis Presley and Johnny Cash. No kidding. Can you imagine? No. Well, Let's I'll see Take what we You are. Home Again, Kathleen, uh, Elvis Presley is on. Okay, good. I found yeah. I'm, I'm going to rewind. You're going to do that? Yep. Just really? For, just for my Patricia. Oh, thank you. Let's see. Here we go. Uh-oh. Somebody must have left the script open. <laughs> now, I told Mrs. Perkins Boomer to get some Johnson self-polishing glow coat for her linoleum, and she'd never again have a lame back from hours of scrubbing and worrying about scuffed and dull linoleum. I'll say so. Why, with glow coat, all she has to do is pour a little on the linoleum, spread it around, and wait for it to dry. No rubbing, no buffing. It's as simple as that. Here, take your picture of the banana stalk. <laughs> Ah, I rather like that, young man. Admire your sincerity. Excitable fellow, though. Well, hurry up and x-ray that package, will you, Mr. Boomer? Ah, yes, the package. Interesting assignment. Though this work presents many a fascinating problem, for instance, I x-ray a man, and all the valuables in his pockets are immediately exposed to my view. Care to look at some of my trophies? Here's a pair of star sapphire cufflinks. Had to give a patient 50,000 volts to get those. Uh, let's see if we can fast forward that. See where we are. Yeah. Yep, you there, Patricia? I'm here. All right. Guess we're right there, almost. We're almost there. A little while ago, you haven't paid the light bill. Well, well, imagine that. No current. <laughs> Come on, dearie, let's go home. Yeah. I'd suggest you try another X-ray expert and more power to him. <laughs> Folks, Jimmy Shields sings a beautiful old Irish ballad. I'll take you home again, Kathleen. Take it to I'll take you home again. 
Patricia. Did I lose my Patricia? No, she's here. Okay. Sorry, I had the mute on and didn't realize it. That is one of the sweetest songs that was ever sung, and it was made for an Irish tenor, not for 